Hey, well, welcome back to the second part of a two-part conversation that we're having with Craig Westhoff from Illuminated Soul. If you haven't listened to the first episode, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to that um, because the second episode really does uh, flow on from that. It's it's part of the same discussion, but uh, as we said in the first one, there was just so much going on. It was so rich uh, that I felt like I wanted to break it up into two. And the reason why we're giving it to you now at this time in the year is because at Christmas and, and the holiday season can for some be a difficult time it can sometimes be quite isolated family can sometimes be triggering uh, we can there are a lot of people that I speak to and sometimes even in myself uh, with this time of year the pace and the busyness of our normal life that usually distracts us from some of the deeper things that are going on in our interior world that all kind of dissipates and goes away and so sometimes what we're left with is space and we become aware of what's going on in ourselves so uh, this conversation with Craig is just so rich and full, and I hope that you saw that in the first part of our conversation. And now as we lean into the second part, I hope that it is as much a gift to you as the first one was. And please, if these uh, conversations are helping you, uh, give us some feedback. You can connect with us. Please rate, refer um, the, the podcast. That helps it get to a lot of different people. But without further ado, I hope you enjoy the second part of a conversation with Craig Westhart. But then in that moment of awe and self-transcendence and what I'm fundamentally talking about, the awe of the face of Christ, you know, that he's enlightened the eyes of our heart that we may know and you're caught up. And and then he says, deny yourself. And you're just like, okay. (laughs) 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 I mean, mean, in your presence, that's like, yeah, just. Yeah, totally. Now we just lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, now it's just laid aside because you're just captivated, just like you are with the sunrise, sunset, that beautiful snowfall, my three-month-old grandson. All of a sudden, you forget yourself. Come on. And what if that's a kind of denying self? Welcome to the Follower Podcast a place for conversations about following Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. My name is Matthew Lewis, and I am so glad that you are here. Now, this is, uh, this is the work you do with Illuminated Soul, basically what we're talking about here. You, you help people wake up. So, yeah. so tell us a little bit about that, Illuminated Soul, the stuff you're doing with that. So it's a, it's a tiny little thing, you know, it, it, there's, we have a podcast that's free uh, on most streaming platforms. And it, what I like about the podcast in pr- practically speaking is most episodes, but two are no longer than 15 minutes. I try to keep them really short, bite-sized pieces. It's called Illuminated Soul with Craig Westoff, Becoming Aware, Becoming Whole. And it's all Christocentric. It's on, it's, it's, Without Christ, there's no waking up. <laughs> so, um, as far as I'm concerned, and so there's the podcast that's free, and then uh, we have, um, and then I do one on, I offer one on ones, you know, uh, and then there's the Illuminated Soul weekends or days, uh, or a day rather, depending on what uh, that group of people or church wants. So uh, a weekend is two days, and it's it's kind of like drinking through a fire hose. It's just <laughs> I, I, I actually, yeah, well, I won't share that story, but um, yeah, it's just a download of, uh, we never get through the whole manual, you know, and um, mm. yeah, so I, my, my whole, that's it, that's it, illuminated soul, it's, and I first got that idea from Psalm 1828, my God illuminates my darkness, mm. you know, and, and most of the time we want him to just pull us out, and right on, and sometimes he does that. But I, I think it's not either or. I think it's both and. It's like sometimes there's a little of him pulling out, rescuing. You know, he draws me out of the pit. But a lot of times he just climbs into the pit and slowly illuminates. Why? Because he wants us. What if one of the reasons why is because he wants us to understand what is going on so that we'll increase in awareness and wisdom, right? 
So he illuminates our darkness and, and, and we get to see. And because where there's a lack of definition, there's always distortion. And so we, we increase and we break free from certain levels of cognitive distortion and dissonance. And so oftentimes it's more of an illumination uh, than just a flat out rescue. That, that we'll fully experience that when Christ comes. And on that day, man, there will be no more pain, no more tears. And on that day, the, the lion will eat freaking hay, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see that lion with hay out of his mouth. That's going to be awesome. But right now, the lion, the lion eats meat. So, right. <laughs> you know. so just as Paul says and stated in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I think, meanwhile... We groan. We're in the the meanwhile and the not yet. But yeah, this whole illuminated soul stuff, this is it. This is kind of pretty what what we're chatting about now. Right. It's just helping. And and I'm learning. And I share this stuff out, not out of mastery, but out of need. I haven't mastered a thing. Mm -hmm. I need this stuff. I I just came out of a rough, uh, I'd say a good week of... uh, managing my mind you know i've a, i i i deal with ocd and 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 sometimes uh i do well and sometimes it's it can still get dark you know mm. and that's okay because i'm mm. i'm human and that's just the way it goes um yeah so so it, it's it's fun work but it it it's uh the invitation uh to anyone uh regarding this journey is uh, i would say uh be kind to yourself be compassionate to yourself Uh, we're not after arriving we arrive when he arrives so then what does that say about now right now we're on a learning journey that's good that's it we're just learning I've never done life before I don't know about you I've never (laughs) (laughs) I've never been 55 before man I mean this is weird (laughs) <laughs> I mean, jeez. Yeah, that's so good, man. That's so good. Maybe, maybe for some of the people listening, uh, and for me, or Matthew Lewis as well. I'm aware that that choosing to go on this journey is maybe some of the scariest stuff people ever have to do. Like it takes an enormous amount of courage to step off the cliff and go like, okay, I'm going to lean in. Uh, sometimes it's helpful to hear stories of what's on the other side of that. Uh, yeah. So as much as we are always on a journey, I've felt in my little journey so far, there are like moments of of light, the shafts of light breaking through moments of, of nearness, of intimacy, that make that are the Lord is my shepherd, you know, green pastures, quiet streams, restoring my soul in the midst of the journey. Uh, in your story, can, have you got any of, of those kinds of moments when, as you lent in, there was just a, the real reward of the Father, the presence of God, the gift of, of a wholeness and a healing on the other side of that choice? Well, I don't know if you see my eyes water up right away. Um, <laughs> yeah. The answer is yes. I don't even know. I don't even know if I could put it into words. Um, but you know, it's interesting to see my body respond. You know, my eyes are tears are coming as you ask that question, and I recall, you know, Jeremiah, this I recall to mind. Therefore, I have hope. And so, you just invited me into. I'm just kind of coaching what's happening here you just invited me into a moment of recalling and right away my body responds because everything we experience in life is stored in our body physiologically cellular memory and so the answer to your question is yes matthew um but what you're going to find is uh It takes place in the secret place, your heart, you know, and he who sees in secret rewards and the intimacy of the Lord 
or the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And so all of a sudden you get to those points of, yeah, there's, there's, you know, practically speaking, you know, all of a sudden you find out you're having more conscious emotional responses than unconscious emotional reactions where what once would trigger you all of a sudden didn't, or it did trigger you, but you're aware of it. And, and you breathe and you're silent and you're doing the co-investigative work because everything that happens in our life first and foremost is for our healing, i.e. tend to the log in your own eye before you so that you may see clearly. Jesus wants us to see clearly. And so on the, those are the practical results, I think, is just a little more conscious living. We're, we're, we mostly live unconsciously. Mm. Then the day is gone and we get up and we do it again. Mm. But I, it's so fun to just at the end of the day, you know, you kind of do the Ignatian examine, you know, and it's like, God, where, where were you today? Where, where might I have missed you? Uh, where was I? All that. And you're like, oh my goodness. <sighs> that was a conscious emotional response that I engaged with. And it's all with the, without Jesus, it's not happening mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. So when I talk about this, just re- remember, it's all Christocentric. Mm-hmm. And so that's the beautiful, it's, it shows up, to coin a phrase from someone else, through the poetry of practical living. Mm. It's, you know, it'd be great if, you know, yeah, well, here, well, what happens is, you know, every morning I wake up to a pillar of fire by my bed, Matthew, and there's an angel, <laughs> a box of chocolates and a gold scroll. You know, that'd be great. But <laughs> it's more of um, I wake up to... Uh, dirty dishes in the sink and instead of complaining i just do them for my wife uh you wake up and all of a sudden you feel gratitude instead of fear Uh, that person that's difficult to love for some reason you want to reach out to him all of a sudden you want to you're deciding to extend forgiveness to someone or to receive forgiveness I call them miracles of soul. Mm. That's where it shows up. It's the, it's the, it's the self things. It's the, you know, where you have the self sin, self righteousness, self pity, all that stuff. But then, then you flip it, and then it's the, our self in Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And then your true self, as some people would call it, your your essence starts to show up. But now, it's, it's just fruit. It's fruit. It's it's. And a tree doesn't recognize its own fruit. Lord, when did we? When did we do this? You know, Matthew 25. It's interesting. <clears throat> Matthew 25, where you see what is on the mind of Jesus and the separation of the sheep and goats, this metaphor, whatever, of Judgment Day. His list, if we're, if we're going to be honest, is really unassuming and almost boring. Because he just says things like, I was sick and you visited me. He doesn't even say in Matthew 25, I was sick and you healed me. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it's interesting what he highlights. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. I I needed clothes, you clothed me. I, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. That's such a, an unassuming, unimpressive list of great exploits but guess what wow. those are the great exploits wow to the point where it's just the poetry of practical living we're just living life and it's like oh I, I guess i did respond that way instead of react oh i didn't call myself a name when i messed up wow i didn't engage in self-criticism i engaged in self-compassion hey craig you're not an idiot you're just learning to do better we're yeah. learning yeah relax that stuff dude that's the real stuff (laughs) now don't get me wrong i love all the miracles and all that stuff and that's cool and the way i'm wired i always want to see more of that who doesn't but but yeah as someone once said you know it's great that peter walked on water but the real test is walking on dry land wow wow 
So it's great, you know, we, you know, we've all have seen some type of incredible affecting of a miracle or healing or something. <clears throat> but you look at Matthew 5 through 7 and what is on the mind of Christ is stuff like forgiveness and mercy and kindness and gentleness. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the real stuff. And I think that's the fruit of illuminated soul. I uh, I don't even really. It's, there's just so much to take in. This is a beautiful conversation. I'm really grateful. I'm loving it. It's fun. Um, I'm wondering. Uh, I asked you if you if you could say anything to to people like what's on the top of your heart at the moment. You used a few things. You you talked about uh, transcendental neediness. Yeah. Uh, you talked about. Um, how you have need for Jesus and you need him more and how there's like this, this togetherness. Um, then you talked about uh, judgmentalism and self-referentialism. I don't know what that means. I'd love to know. And then you talked about binary and, and linear perceptions. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if we could just hit on those three things, those are the things that seem to be stirring up in your heart at the moment. Right on. Well, we'll start, start at the top of the list, and then you know, I trust your guidance, yeah. Matthew. Um, and I'll be—I'll try to be minimal in my descriptions and talk. And if you want more, just say I want more. <laughs> yeah, that's my radio training coming out. <laughs> sure. Um, the idea of transcendental needy, neediness—I got that from. Um, well, that—that's just a phrase. But Matthew five three. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Not shall be, theirs is the kingdom. Many different ways to explain what this poor in spirit is. Uh, humility uh, is paramount. But it's, one way to say it is it's blessed are those who realize, and I think Andrew Metz is his name, he puts it this way who realize their transcendental neediness mm. to put it, to put it that this need beyond our, like a need that we cannot address in our own. It transcends us. Mm. Right. Blessed are those who realize their transcendental neediness. That's a fancy way of saying blessed are those who realize their absolute need of Jesus. Mm. Theirs is the kingdom. And then I like to say, so what if in your need is the kingdom and not out of it? Mm. And we kind of have this idea that I got to get out of my need, out of my deprivation, my depletion, whatever, my, my hopelessness. And, that, and there is the kingdom. But what if it's flipped? Jesus, what if you go to Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, I have need. And with a little smile on his face, he says, and yours is the kingdom. Come on. Right now in your need, not out of it. So good. That, that's the idea behind that. Because we don't like to be in need, you know. Yeah. I think even in your description of th places you want to go and you're aware of, uh, of being afraid, what if part of that is just the feeling of, oh, no, I, there's something in me I sense that I, I, I can't deal with on my own. Right. I'm in need. Right. And there's a part of us that just doesn't like that. And we get to deal with that with the Holy Spirit. So so that's what I, that's that's the transcendental neediness. Mm -hmm. I eat Jesus, I have you, but I need you. And in my moments of arrogance, sin, unconscious emotional reaction, all that stuff, somewhere in there, I, I'm kind of saying, I don't need you right now, Lord. I've got this. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it never works out for me. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> never really works out so that's that yeah and i think i think why that's interesting i just push into that thought a little bit is um one of the ways of communicating the gospel which i have done for a long time although um, it's shifting for me a little bit now is like um come to jesus and you'll be satisfied now on one level that's true on one level i am satisfied in jesus 
But at another level, I almost find that the more I'm with Jesus, the more thirsty I get. So it's like, it's almost like that's a half truth because it's almost like come to Jesus and you will also be dissatisfied. <laughs> like your, your need will persist and in a sense grow. And what I'm hearing you say is like, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe that's where the kingdom is. Right on, right on, Matthew. Just like Paul at the end of his life declared himself the chief of sinners. Mm. That's at the end of his life. That's interesting. You would think he would have declared it at the beginning. But the closer he got to God, it seems like the greater the gap he also realized. Mm. It's like, oh, the closer we get to God, we realize, oh, you are God and I'm not. Right. <laughs> right. Even more now, the closer I get, oh my goodness, you are God. You know, and, and you look at the response of those who are so close to him in the throne room. All they can say is holy, holy, holy. Right. They're reduced to repeating that. Holy, right. holy, right? So it that is the journey. But some people, some the way we're wired and think, and some, sometimes there's even teaching out there where you know, people can interpret that as a bad thing. No, that's that's normal. That sh that that indicates the relational dynamic of who you are and who this God is. He's wow. God, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we can approach His throne of grace with confidence. But in that same space, you know, Isaiah would say, "I woe is me. I'm a dead man." Mm. So now what? Well, the answer is yes. 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 <laughs> it, it's all of it. It's he's holy and he's humble. Yes. He's holy and he's welcoming. Mm. He's God and we are not. But we are his sons and daughters. Does that flow a little bit into this idea of binary thinking yep. and linear perception and, and maybe yep. unpack that thought a bit? Yeah, you know, it's just the the idea of uh, one of the things I learned through my depression and continue to unpack is just <clears throat> this addiction we have to binary, black and white, linear, whatever you want to call it, dualistic thinking. It has its place, you know. Jesus had some clear, what would you say, black and white, you can't serve God and money. Yeah, that's just the way it is. You're not going to find a loophole in that, right? Um, but it's interesting, a lot of his parables are designed to break down this binary dualistic thinking. You could just call it judgmental thinking, mm -hmm. where in simplicity, binary judgmental thinking is uses these words, either or, either or, or in out, good, bad, top, bottom. So it always compartmentalizes and actually decreases our experience of life. Mm -hmm. The flip is non-dualistic, open, the mind of Christ. And that's where we get to put in the word and. The idea of this, um, it's like, uh, oh, that. Uh, uh, let me get, what, what example could I use? Like, um, you mess up, you, you do, you just have a massive flop at work, right? If, if that was me, I would usually say, I suck. I'm a worthless, you know what? Okay. So I say that. And then that's, that's a judgment call, mm -hmm. right? So I just condemn myself. I just judge myself. So this, uh, unconditional observation non-dualistic observation would say and and uh, i'm still here and and actually I, I i'm probably not that and and i'm probably just human and i made a mistake and and uh, i'm learning i'm learning to do better and uh and there's a lot of good about me and mm -hmm. and i'm, I'm actually I'm actually not afraid to learn, and 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 I guess this is a an opportunity to admit 
and acknowledge I have areas of growth. You see what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. Right. So it 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 opens it up. It's like the classic example of you know, what am I holding here, Matt? A piece of paper. Okay, that's a black and white uh, proper judgment. Now, judgment isn't all bad. When Jesus tells us not to judge, Matthew seven one, he's talking about the condemning labeling judgment that takes life, that removes, that destroys, right? But you just discerned properly. You made a proper judgment call, piece of paper. Now, with just getting, you know, a mystical viewpoint, non-dualistic, unconscious, now we could go a little further. I could say, and what if I'm holding rain and sun and earth and tree and the seed of the tree. I'm also holding that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at first glance, we just call it paper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if we pause and include the word and, it opens up our experience of life and frees us to our habitual judgmentalism. Wow. Right. Does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah, no, it does. It's helpful <clears throat> because I think um, w what I'm learning about myself, and I think I hope this is helpful to people who are listening, that that you are um, you're seldom as simplistic as you think, and what so what I mean by that is like nothing is really face value, whether it's mm. your failures or your successes, you know, and so to so to take a failure in a particular area and then to summarize that entire failure in a very simplistic way is not to honor the complexity of the person that is you. And so I think what, 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 I, what I'm finding helpful about that thought is it gives me license to not, um, I am not the sum total of my failures. Say that again. I'm not the sum total of my failures. Right on. It, it gives me license to explore more, even in the midst of a failure. So yes, I've failed in this and this and this area. A judgmental perspective puts a full stop behind that. And now that can then attach to identity at a level, which is very destructive. But what you're talking about is a comma. So you're not saying we don't deny that. That's true. You have failed in that area. And you are more complex than your failures. Would, would you agree? Is that what you're hearing? Yeah. That's it, dude. It's it, that you nailed it. You nailed it. It's the idea of judgmentalism, uh, observation, binary dualistic thinking can uh, bring us into a space of um, judging the part as the whole. That's it. Right. It's like we show up with one piece of puzzle and we say the puzzle's done. It's like we would never do that. Well, we do that to ourselves emotionally and mentally and experientially. We just name one part and we say, this is the whole. It's like, no. Right. That's actually a cognitive distortion called all or nothing thinking. Right. And emotional reasoning. I feel this, therefore I am this. No, actually, a part of you feels this. Right. Not the whole of you. Right. And so, so when we judge the part as the whole, Boom, you've just completely minimized experience, your life experience. And what was I going to say? Part of the whole, I can't remember. Oh, well, that's it, though. We just, we, we minimize our life experience. Oh, and, and, and in that kind of labeling, I like to say this, when we label, we disable. Yes. Yeah, where there's a lack of definition, as I've said before, there's distortion. So as, as, some other circles put it this way, where there's a sign, there's deception, <laughs> right? Okay. And again, a sign or a label, like we're talking about, initially helps us. It's like this. You can label or you can define. We, we want to be people who engage with the Holy Spirit to define life, to define spirit experience, and not just label. Oh, that's just that. Right. That's right. what they did with Jesus. That's what they did with Jesus, you know. Hey, who are who? How people describe? Oh, he's isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he the son of that couple over there? And he's just a carpenter. It's just, mm -hmm. 
you know, who do people say that I am, right? And they were, they were just labeling him and then completely missing the experience of Christ right there, that's man. It, that's exactly it, right? Right? Which, which uh, and keep in mind, we're not saying they shouldn't have started there. That's where we, st- usually that's always our beginning point, is with a binary black and white judgment call. Mm-hmm. Fine. Let's acknowledge that. That's what we do. Oh, isn't that just the the son of Joseph? And that would that would that would have turned it all around. Yes, yes. And you know what? I, what I'm also thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think this idea can also play into. I think about how the enemy is described as the accuser of the brethren, and I think about how that accusation is exactly what we're describing here. It's an attempt to sum you up in the area of your failure. Yep. And so, so that's an that's actually an area where the where the enemy of the devil would come in and say, "You've done this, this, and this, and this," and then make that judgment call and put a full stop. And this is when people to come in. You know, I'll be talking to people, and they'll go, "I want to come to Jesus, but I just can't understand how He could ever love me, because you know I've done this." So that so that shame paralyzes them and keeps them from the grace of God, because they're wrapped up in that in that full stop. Whereas what you're saying is grace puts a comma, <laughs> you know, grace opens oh, it up. I love that, dude. Yeah, yeah. And shame, it's interesting. You know, shame is a soul-destroying emotion. Shame is is not the feeling that uh, I've done something wrong. Shame says I am wrong. Right. That's what shame is fundamentally. And so that person, and we've all done it to varying degrees, but you take the part again and you're saying, oh, this part of me is now the whole it's all of what i am and no mm-hmm. no and so part of this journey of illuminated soul and what we're talking about is what would it look like if we include the and more which yeah. is jesus he is right. the end right? right and right and he kind of does this i hope this isn't a stretch but i just was reminded of you know the 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 letters to the seven churches hey here's what you're doing well I'm paraphrasing. Here's what you can improve on. Improve <laughs> yeah. on this. And yeah. here's your reward. Yeah. So I think that's so healthy saying, yeah, here's some, here's a part that's going well. Here's a part that needs improvement. You know, he he doesn't just flat out say, Oh, you messed up. This is what you are, which is kind of you're condemned. You know, that's just yeah. and oftentimes that's what this judgmental black and white thinking does. It just slams the gavel and it labels and then you're done yeah and life, it's kind of, life it's kind of a form of like uh, almost like a cancel culture in a way yeah. oh yeah no but well yeah yeah we're experiencing you know that that in massive ways in this world is you're absolutely right it's the cancel culture there's no I, there's such an invitation to to learn this mm. to to not just hear one thing and and then have this ridiculous what i would call ridiculous emotional reactions to one thing and not take the time to breathe and listen and examine and investigate the whole of the thing mm. And and you know why it's hard? I think it's because then again, first of all, you have to be patient. <laughs> yeah. And what does patient mean in Latin? To suffer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have to be humble. We get we get to be uh, quiet. And and you know what it's like when you're talking with someone and there's a little agitation, disagreement going on, and and you're already thinking about what you want to say, and you just can't wait for them to stop talking. Yes. So, which really means you're not really even listening to begin with. And, you know, we all do that, right? Yeah. It's a practice for sure. But you're right. It's happy. Yeah. Cancel culture is a great, is a perfect example. Oh, you're just canceled. That's what a label can do. Canceled. Mm. If you just stick with the label in and of itself. Mm. Again, it just constricts life. Just a small, a small, small way of living. And thus coming around Matthew 7, Jesus invites, hey, tend to the log in your own eye. So that you may see clearly to remove the speck. So it's not that we're not going to be removing specks. And Jesus in that text wants us to see clearly. He wants us to awaken to the moment. 
But it's interesting, most of the work he invites us to do is with our own perception. Tend to the log in your own eye. How are you seeing things? Either we wonder, what, what's the statement from uh, Alan Mason, I think his name is. We wonder or objectify, we contemplate or exploit. And so our invitation is to view life with wonder and contemplation. And that takes time and humility and vulnerability. It's way easier and, and, and gratifying to the flesh just to objectify and exploit. Because then we get to play the judge. Oh, you're in, you're out, you're canceled. I'm good, you're bad. I'm successful, you're a failure. I've arrived, you're not going anywhere. Completely limited life experience, it's sad. Uh, let's let's land the plane here on uh, self-referentialism. <laughs> let's kind of uh, bring it to a close. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's I I, I just uh, felt like the Lord said, told me that during my ten years of clinical de clinical depression when I was coming out. Uh, you know, he, he, he's so honest. You know, he's just he said, Craig, you you've got to. I want to deal with a lot of ego, delusional, juvenile, grandiose things in your life. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one of them is this self-referentialism. It's just a fancy way of saying you are the center okay. of your own existence, of the world. You're, you are the point of reference. Everything, everything that happens, you bring back to yourself first. And uh, you can do that if you want. But uh, what if a a more life-giving invitation is everything you experience in life we firm we first bring back to christ he is our locus l-o-c-u-s he is our point of reference so now instead of if i'm the point of reference this is me and here's life and jesus and they're all over here if jesus is the point of reference well now i get to see and experience and perceive and investigate through this point of reference first he's the hub of the wheel Right. Right. Um, that's what that's how I describe that. Just where self-referentialism is just it's all about you. Right. And that's and that's where a lot you get the cognitive distortions, all or nothing thinking, emotional reasoning, catastrophizing, fortune telling. Because you're you're perceiving and de determining and defining your experience with you at the center of it. And we can't do that objectively. Wow. Say that again and then unpack that thought a little bit. So you're perceiving with you at the center. Yeah, you're perceiving and defining and giving meaning with you at the center of it. But that's challenging because uh, we that's always subjective. You you can't be objective to yourself. Right. <laughs> you've never you've never you've never fully seen yourself. <laughs> right. you've seen an image a picture a reflection in a mirror you've never seen objectively your own face right you can try if you want i could see a little of my nose <laughs> <laughs> and so it's the idea of you know one some of the great powers we have are the power of choice and in the power of choice is the power to apply meaning and so things happen in our life and the the question is well, what does this mean? Well, follow-up question is, well, what do you want it to mean? Mm. Now, now, the world stops there. I feel like this, so it means this, so I'm that. But as a son and daughter of God, I'd like to take it one step further. The natural thing is something happens, we're feeling something, experiencing something not ideal or even beautiful. We say, what does this mean? Well, what do you want it to mean? And then, and then we go another further. And God, what meaning do you have in it for me? Mm. So that's moving from self-referentialism to Christocentric observation. Right, right. So now we now we're co-laboring, co-writing the story. God, what does this mean? Sometimes we'll say, "Well, Craig, what do you what do you think?" 
it means. He does this with the uh, prophets, you know. Hey, what do you see? Tell me what you see. And then they say, wow. right. Then he says, look again. Now tell me what you see, right? Uh, that one guy, the rich young ruler, I think, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he and he says, well, Jesus says something interesting. He says, well, you've read the scriptures. How do they read to you? Right. He's, he's inviting this collaboration, a co-creative effort, right? And so um, that's that's the idea of uh, the invitation to move, move out of us being the center of everything. It begins there. It's the human default, uh, what we feel, right? Oh, I'm experiencing this. Oh, this means this. Okay. And then what do you want it to mean? So that that's our power of choice, uh, our power to apply a, a more life-giving, affirming meaning. We can do that. That's good. And then we can take it. And now, God, what meaning do you have in this for us now? Mm. Brilliant. Because what, what makes a problem a problem is feeling. And where there's, <laughs> where, as Robert Smith says, and where, where, there's, where there's a feeling, there's always meaning. Mm. Where there's a thought, there's always feeling. You can't separate the two. The challenge is most of the time we're unconscious of this. So we're responding oftentimes out of feeling and not the congruency of feeling and thought coming together. Well, for this to come together, for congruency to take place, I need Jesus for that. Right. I'm feeling I'm feeling this. Here are my thoughts. Now, what are your thoughts and feelings, Lord, about so this? Good. So good. If we're not doing that, feelings are faster than thoughts on the neural network highway. That's why we have unconscious emotional reactions. You know, have you ever had that moment where you, you come to and you're like, wow, why did I say it like that? Or Yes. You know, where did that come from? Yes. You're responding just out of emotion. And so we get to the invitation in Christ is to learn to wake up, breathe, breathe. That's our greatest tool. Breathe, pause, allow the thoughts to come up. Remember, feelings are faster than thoughts. We hold that space with the Lord so that the two may become one, so that our feeling and thoughts will line up with Christ's feelings and thoughts Very about good about the moment. Wow. I hope I didn't go a little off there. <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so good. You know, it just reminds me and very simply, again, bring it back to the Bible. Jesus saying, um, if you try and keep your life, you lose it. <laughs> but if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it, right? And I think that's, isn't that probably the great challenge of the Christian life? Like uh, Bonifat, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. And so it's, it is that we are consistently that daily death, uh, dying to self and living to, to Christ. And, and for me personally, it's in my journey, um, it seemed very cool and romantic and very rock star and all the good stuff in the early days. But when you realize uh, it's Jill Weber who says the thing that that God and the devil have in common is they both want to kill you, you know, like <laughs> like this diminishment of self, this me not being in the center and Christ more and more in the center. That uh, that's yeah. that's the challenging journey of formation, I think. Right on, dude. And let me submit an idea to help us with that. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder if it's. Not that it makes it easier, but how do I say this? When it comes to self-denial and daily cross-carrying, we can we can sometimes like like you referenced earlier, you know, you get all excited about I'm gonna die. You know, Paul said I die daily, all that. <laughs> right on. But what if Jesus has offered us a a space to do that in in our hearts and minds, meaning um it's hard when we set our minds and our wills on dying daily and self-denial right on. Um, but we can even end up objectifying and exploiting ourselves in that, right? Now we make ourselves a project. But I find, uh, and, 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 and you're in that black and white, you can't be in that judgmental zone real fast. Mm. But, uh, that's one way. Another way could be 
uh, when we wonder and contemplate, uh, you enter into a space of awe, and awe, as it's been said, is the emotion of self-transcendence. Wow. And so when we're in awe of Christ, you know, uh, Claire of Assisi, gaze, consider, contemplate the cross, Christ, and then finally imitate. Contemplation precedes action. But we're in this space of kind of tying it all in, going back to the dualistic, non-dualistic, judgmental observation and unconditional observation. When we observe and, and practice this walking with wonder and contemplation, non-judgmental, unconditional observation, all of a sudden everything's in awe. This is paper, yes, and I'm also holding everything in the universe in my hand right now. Right. right? right. All of a sudden, the invitation to deny self is partnered with transcending self. It's what if it's easier to deny a self that isn't there? <laughs> and <laughs> and myself isn't there when I transcend self through awe and wonder and yeah, contemplation. It's so so Jesus, Jesus says, so that before the self-denial, what does he say first? If you wish to follow me. So it begins with just following him. Yeah. It's not deny yourself. I mean, we read it, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But we have to go to the point, we have to consider the source. Who is the one giving the invitation? Mm. If we're looking not to um, the invitation on paper, but the person who's extending the invitation. When Jesus extends that invitation, what's the look yeah. on his face? Yeah. You think he looks grim and does he have a smile on his face? Is he winking saying... You know, and by the way, when you follow me, this is going to be a wild ride. <laughs> I mean, apparently it was so wild. At the end of the Gospel of John, if if we were to record all that he did that while he was alive, uh, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain all that he did. Yeah. That's an amazing statement. I have a feeling the disciples, yes, hardship, yes, affliction. But I have a feeling they witnessed tons of awe-inspiring, wondrous things. Can imagine, yeah. That have never been recorded, right? But then in that moment of awe and self-transcendence, and what I'm fundamentally talking about, the awe of the face of Christ, you know, that he's enlightened the eyes of our heart that we may know, and you're caught up. And, and then he says, deny yourself. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean in your presence it, it's like yeah just yeah totally. now we just lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us wow wow now, now it's just laid aside because you're just captivated just like you are with the sunrise sunset that beautiful snowfall my three-month-old grandson all of a sudden you forget yourself come on and what if that's a kind of denying self? Ah, oh, what a good conversation. I feel like I've had an excellent meal. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. You remind oh, okay. me of the words of Jesus in the Passion Translation. He said, every time I do the will of my Father, I have a kingdom feast. Oh, that's what it feels like. <laughs> right on. Me too, man. So, Craig, guys, uh, people can find your stuff at IlluminatedSoul.org. Is that right? Yep, IlluminatedSoul.org. Okay. Got and the podcast there. there. You're on Instagram and all the socials and all the things. I am, but uh, I've got I have a I have a Facebook page, Instagram page, but I I left them. Okay. So I'm not on social media. I, I, the pages are up for the sake of contact, but um, I'm not. I don't do that anymore. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good. Hey, you know, I just felt as you were talking. I I feel like this has been a significant conversation, definitely for me. This is one I'm going to listen to again just to to really help. But I feel like there's others who this is going to be a real helpful. And I wondered if we could end just, uh, would you pray for us and pray for the people listening and 
just that, I don't know, there's just so much. I mean, we just had this huge feast of words and ideas and thoughts. I guess just that the right things would find their way to the right hearts, you know? Yeah. You know what I'd like to do is I, I want to speak a blessing. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. Uh, so as Matthew said, we have the material here. Uh, be encouraged with it. Feast on it. You know, you're allowed to be fully human. And then the invitation in Christ is learning to wake up before we die. <laughs> Yeah. And so uh, I bless the material, and then I just want to bless uh, bless you, bless you listening, watching. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you for this uh, moment in time with Matthew. It's humbling, God. We thank you for your presence, your spirit of wisdom and counsel and might to continue to carry out what, if anything, is of you today. And I humbly request, would you watch over this to perform it in their lives? As we, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as we team up with the Trinity, and we say, may you be at peace. May your heart always be open. May the light of the divine Christ continue to awaken and illuminate deep within. May you continue to be healed on your learning journey. And may you continue to be a peaceful, loving, joyful source of healing to others on theirs. Bless your spirit, soul, and body in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.